So my first question, Judy, is why did you want to do this interview? Why, <laughs> why did you say yes? Um, I guess because I like to help people. Okay. And um, the idea of Mavericks is so similar to my idea of Edgewalkers that I figured we were speaking the same language. So if, if I can help someone who's doing work that's similar to my mission, then I want to do that. Wonderful. I'm really hoping Bill Taylor, who wrote Mavericks at Work, has the same philosophy. Um, how would you define a maverick, Judy? Uh, someone, someone who's um, doesn't buy into all the rules of the system, who sees something bigger going on and goes after it, something that moves humanity forward. Okay. Why do you think you're a maverick? Oh. Um, <laughs> gee, I thought I just studied them. <laughs> um, well, no, I guess I really do think I'm a maverick. I've never been comfortable fitting in. Um, I've always wanted to push the boundaries and see if there were new ways to do things. Um, I frequently got chastised by my dean because I would try innovative things and she'd go, well, you know, that's not the way we do things. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I can totally appreciate that. I, I work bet. in academia. <laughs> and, um, you know, for me to bring a whole concept of spirituality into business was, I guess that's a pretty maverick kind of thing to do. Nobody was talking about spirituality, and I started doing research on it. So it's that was... Um, pushing the boundaries of the conversation. And it's been magnificent what's happened. Wonderful. And that is exactly the reason why I actually asked if you would let me interview you. Mm -hmm. That was exactly the reason. Because I remember I used to teach leadership and management. I actually was the person who was um, the lead for writing the new leadership and management curriculum. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's very interesting how spirituality in fact, you'll find this interesting, is that when I used to teach spirituality for the children's nurses, you know when you go into a hospital and they ask you the question on, your, on the form when they're mm -hmm. asking you about family, medical history, they, it says religion and spirituality and people would just write Church of England or Muslim. And I would say, that is, you know, that's a religion. What do you know about their spirituality? And it was very interesting. Uh-huh. Okay. But I actually am friends with a fellow who teaches uh, clinical pastoral care. Right. And he's designed a whole new instrument about spiritual intake. Right. Okay. So it's more about what are your beliefs, what are your needs, are there rituals yeah. that are helpful to you in healing? Wonderful. Uh, who's your spiritual director or spiritual guide? You know, it's like it goes into much more detail. Okay. okay. So that's beautiful. The London School of Economics actually developed a maverickism scale. Ah. I'm going to give you seven statements, and you just need to say true, false, can't decide. Okay. People tell me that I'm a maverick, or words to that effect. True. I have a knack for getting things right when least expected. True. I have a way of solving problems which is different from other people. True. I am much more productive than other people. 
True. I have very unusual talents. <laughs> True. I am generally underestimated by people. Ah, true. I do things differently and better than most people when I work. Ah, true. Judy, why do you do things differently? Because I have a way of knowing things that guides me um, that I've just learned over time to trust. of what you do differently and how. Now, the only example I know is the one you shared with me about um, you started talking about and exploring spirituality and leadership. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, most of the examples would be, well, if you're talking about how I work, they would be, you know, they'd be smaller examples than what I work on. And... Um, one example is when I was writing Edgewalkers, actually I'll do two examples. When I was writing Edgewalkers, um, I, I did lots of research for the first half of the book. It took me 18 months. My contract was running out and the book was half done. Right. And I had 60 days to finish the second half of the book okay. after <laughs> spending 18 months writing the first half of the book. So... I did two things. The first one was I went off to Denmark to a meditation course for a week. Right. And while there, I met Butch, who was the only American in the group who became my translator. And he was also a musician. Mm -hmm. And I told him about my dilemma and asked him if there were spiritual means to help me finish the rest of the book. Well, he was a composer, and he would write compositions on, it's not, word isn't contract, commission. He would get commissions, like from the king of Denmark, to write um, these classical compositions okay. on piano. A wonderful musician. And he, he said, um, when I have a month to write something, he said, I wait until the last week. Right. So he said, um, and then what I do during that last week is when I wake up, I meditate, and then I, I meditate for an hour, and then I dance for an hour, right. and then I go take a nap, and then I write, and the writing just comes. Oh. I just get this incredible inspiration, and at the end of the week, I have a composition that I'm really thrilled with that I couldn't have written if I you know, slogged away at it all month long. So I went home. And I did my meditation in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I don't play piano, but I do play guitar. So okay. I play guitar for a while. And then I take a little nap. I did his process. I didn't do it an hour, an hour, an hour. But I did that yeah. same process. And then I sat down and wrote. And it just flowed out of me. And I was given everything I needed. Um, so this is the, the other story. Of, well, no, I was given everything I needed. So in the, in the book... I'm writing about um, field theory and quantum physics. Mm -hmm. And I can picture in my mind, I know I've seen a book, I can picture the cover of it that I have in my, my library somewhere. And I went looking everywhere. I couldn't find it, but I knew I needed something from that book. And I couldn't find it. So 
I give up, I let go. And the there's a phone call, somebody calls me and while I'm talking, something falls off the edge of my desk. So I'm on the phone and I'm digging behind my desk and out comes this ode magazine with the cover that I had seen. It wasn't a book, it was a, a magazine. And it said, field theory. Oh, hang on, did you, do you, sorry, you wrote about this in one of your posts, didn't you? I think so. Yeah, I might have read that thing. I might have read that bit because obviously once I read your book, I needed to know how to contact you. So I started looking at edge authors. <laughs> okay, so lovely. That's a good example of how, so would I be, would my, would I be right interpreting that, that you just leave it, you open yourself to the answers coming? Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. But it, you have to request to the universe. There has to be an asking in order to open yourself to the answers. So I make oh, this, yeah. We must, I, I stand, I actually walk around the house going, okay, universe, you've told me this is what you want to do. Yes. You've got me this far. Now get your shit together or I'm, you know, whatever I need to do, you need to make it happen. And the next day it will be. Yeah, exactly. Or something, because it's kind of, once you've found your purpose, I think that kind of happens. Right. So. Yeah. And so it's so important to be able to share this with other people because it makes their lives easier. Yes, it's also mm -hmm. helpful to people who are like that but um, haven't had anybody to talk to about. Uh, yeah, that helps a lot. But I'll, I will, I'll try to focus on the interview because I interject with things because it's almost like it's the right time to tell you rather than saying at the end this, 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 you know. <laughs> Got it, that's fine. <laughs> one other example um, is... Around the same time, I was interviewing Patricia Aberdeen. I don't know if you've come across her work on megatrends. Uh, she's got some best-selling business. Oh, yes. I know, uh, yes, I know the name. I know, I know the name megatrends, probably because yes. I read it in your book recently. Uh, yeah, so megatrends. Um, so Patricia Aberdeen's a friend of mine, but I was interviewing her for, um, it was Spirit at Work that time, not Edgewalkers. And... Um, I was asking her how she did her research because she's looking at trend research and I was writing about how, knowing the future, how people know the future. Right. And, um, you know, so she's got all the, I figured she would tell me all this forecasting and statistics and everything. And she said, well, actually, no, I, what I do is I journal and I ask my spiritual guides to tell me what the trends are. Right. Okay. And then I go find the research to support it. And, uh, and then she also told me that she used a channeler. And I said, oh, really? Who's your channeler? Because I could use some help right now. Right. So, okay. so she gave me the name of her channeler. I called the channeler. And I said, I'm having trouble finishing my book. I've got this deadline. And the channeler said, oh, that's not a problem. Let's talk about something that really matters. You'll get your book done fine. You have all the support you need. Don't even worry about it. You'll be given what you need. Now, what else do you have about questions in your life? <laughs> right, okay. And sometimes that's what you need to hear. Sometimes just to trust it. But yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I, so, okay, just to finish that story, yeah, I got sure. the book done. The deadline was April 30th, and I got the book manuscript. So I, just, I decided to stop editing because I'm a really good editor. I'm very careful. And I was like, well, no, just let it flow. That's why you have a publisher. They'll edit it. Yeah, just let it flow. So I'm just typing away and typing away and getting all this stuff down. 
and the um, I got the manuscript done at like 11.57 p.m. on April 30th, and I send it off to the publisher. 7 o'clock the next morning, I get an email from my publisher, and he said, I stayed up all night reading your manuscript. It's perfect. There's not a thing I would change. I'm sending it off to publication. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, that's unbelievable to yeah, me because I was not careful. So, <laughs> Sometimes it's just trusting, isn't it? It's uh -huh. just trusting that inner voice. Yeah. Yeah. So, is what you do equated to the bottom line or something else? Something else. What's the something else? Um, human potential. Yeah, helping individuals and collectively for us to recognize that we're more than we see think we are. Yes, and um, and I truly believe that if you focus on your passion, it's like um, oh, Mar not Marianne Williamson. Oh, I'm forgetting her name. Do what you love. Marcia Senator. Okay. Do what you love and the money will follow. Yes, exactly. I've always lived that. And um, there's another quote that I've... Um, oh, I can't remember. Fulgham. Robert Fulgham. He says, one of his, like, ten laws of living, he says, if you have to choose between money and time, always choose time. And so I really, I use that as a specific guidance. Mm. So when I had a chance to take a sabbatical, I could either take a whole year sabbatical at half pay or a full year, a half year at full pay. So money or time. I chose the full year at half pay. I had a boyfriend who said, don't worry, I'll take care of the rest. We're going to travel. I was like, okay, that's fine. I take the sabbatical, he breaks up with me. So I say, okay, what's going to have to go? Well, I'm going to have to stop spending so much money on books. <laughs> mm -hmm. The next day in my mailbox were four free books. People wanted me to review their books. I get, I used to get at that time probably five or seven books a week. They would just show up in my mailbox. Um, Judy, we're going to have to have a whole separate conversation, right, <laughs> just about these moments in our life okay so so that's just my example okay. of excellent uh, i don't choose money i choose time uh in service of this passion i have for helping people understand their full potential wonderful and do you know what i really like about what you said isn't, what? isn't it funny that time could get you money but money couldn't get you time <laughs> yeah on, well, your, on your deathbed you couldn't have. You can't write anybody a check for an extra, extra three breaths. Right, right. Is any part of being a maverick to do with autonomy over your life? Oh yeah, big time, huge. It's absolutely huge. Um, you know, I did some study of of entrepreneurs because I think um, the people who are entrepreneurs which has a little bit of maverick energy in it, I think, is that they don't want anybody telling them what to do because they have a bigger sense of what they want to do. And that, this is so true for me. Um, that I, um, 
I just get so frustrated with systems of bureaucracy mm. and reports and it takes away from what I need to do. Exactly. I don't want to waste my time in bullshit. Oh, yeah. And oh my God, is the world full of it. <laughs> um, does doing things differently require certain skills, talents, mindsets? If so, what are they? I don't, I think it requires skills or mind, uh, skills or talents. I do think it requires mindset. Okay. Uh, and I, and what's the mindset? Um, it's a re it's having the mindset of I am here to do something important. I'm committed to doing it and I will take the next step in doing it. And then I'll be given what I need to know to do the next step after that. Wonderful. So for instance, when I first started doing stuff on spirituality in the workplace, I wanted so passionately to keep other people connected who who were do you know I found other people because mm. um, at first you think you're the only one you're the crazy one who wants to link these two very different things that nobody else has ever linked you think and then when you find someone else then you know you're not crazy for me if I can find one other person when I've got a crazy idea or a crazy urge and there's one other person who thinks like I do then I know I'm not crazy, I'm tapped into something bigger. Mm. And so I had, when I found two or three people, I said, we need to stay connected. Let's each share each other's stories. I'll put them together in a little newsletter yes. and I'll send it out to each other. I had no idea how to do my newsletter. I barely knew how to do email. And so I ended up learning how to do all that stuff because it was so important to me to keep the crazy ones connected. Yes. I actually, it was really funny you've been saying the crazy ones because I actually tried to buy the crazy ones.com. But uh, all of those are gone. Anything like that is gone. Uh, crazy ones. Uh, okay, yeah. what are the challenges to being a maverick? Um, loneliness is, um, I think that's one of the biggest ones of seeing things that other people don't see and really knowing that you're right, but not getting any affirmation from other people, the external environment for a while. Well, one, uh, um, I'm going to share this with you because it seems the right time to share it. That comes up so often. Your interview number 86. Mm -hmm. One of, I've been writing, mapping out what my mission is. Okay. And my purpose. Um, and I'm happy to share it with you sometime once I finally, you know, cracked it, as I call it. But one of the things is that what the Mavericks want from me is when they find out I've interviewed all these people, um, I'm trying to create, well, I know this is what's going to happen. It's a movement. It's a community. It's somewhere where I can connect Mavericks who need to be working together. It's somewhere where it's not like an elitist club. That's not the point. Mm -hmm. The point is that so they don't feel so isolated. They have got somebody, and um, because I'm a trained coach, mm -hmm. um, to be able to coach the Mavericks. So if this was to arrive, that this loneliness, that I, I would be able to somehow help them over, see that, uh, 
how can I explain this? Okay, I was seven into weaving, so I'm going to share the bits because your work so, your, your works, your book, I found your book, so let's go to the basics. I found your book when I was doing a literature, the literature reviews. For the thesis part, because I wasn't doing a PhD, I looked at what I needed to look at in the books and all of them were sitting on my shelf. Now that my interviews, um, I mean, between, I had a six week period where I did 29 interviews and what? transcribed them. It went from nothing to, oh my God, I've actually got some people saying yes. And what was, what was interesting is that um, it's that, you know, how are you going to help all these people that are isolating? How are you going to, and then finding that mission in that. But it's one of the key things that comes up, this idea. So I'm seven interviews in, and I'm an absolute tomboy. Um, you don't often see me do tears, and I'm sharing this with you. I'm stood in the sitting room in our old apartment. And I'm just standing there with tears running down my eyes. And my boyfriend looked at me and went, are you okay? Because he knows that's not like me. <laughs> and I said, I just realised I'm not the only one. <sighs> and all I can explain it as is, and when I have spoke about it, you're probably more in tune with this than a lot of people I've mentioned it to. Actually, you probably yeah you probably get at the top of the pile because of what you do, or in a different pile. Does that make sense? Yeah. I just have you seen E. T. The movie. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Do you know that bit at the end of the movie after all he's trying to find them and you know trying to contact his people, the spaceship comes down, and he goes home. And it's that he wants, he loves Elliot, he wants to take Elliot, but his people, he found his people. That's what I felt. And at that moment, I kind of knew, I was, oh, yeah, I was the kid that never fit in. I'm the oldest child in an Indian household that all I, my mother says to me when I go round, yeah, is um, within 10 minutes, when are you going to be like everybody else? Why can't you just be like everybody else? Okay, so that's how that's how it kind of transitioned, and I just and I just turned round and almost went. This is what I was put here to do, and then I went with it. Anyway, so. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I had a fifth grade teacher say the exact same words to me. Okay, why can't you just fit in? And when she said that, this welling of energy came up, and I went, I can't remember what I said to her, but I just knew, I don't want to. I'm not supposed to. Yeah. It's and the yet, square peg as a child, you, you know, you so badly want to be accepted, but the, the need to be your unique self is even stronger. Yes. Yeah, and so then to find out you can have both. Whoa. And then oh, to find out, what did somebody say to me the other day? One of my mavericks said, do you know what you just did? And I went, no. He went, you just made yourself the global expert on everyone who thinks differently. Do you know what you're worth? <laughs> I was like, and, you know, these are mavericks saying it. I'm like, 
just take a step back. And But I'm like so down to earth. I'm like, yeah, get a grip. Let's get on with it. <laughs> okay, so now I will tell you this, Judy. When I started off, I only had about 10 questions. But because I used grounded theory, mm-hmm. more questions came out from the Mavericks. Okay, so a lot of these questions are from the Mavericks. Great. Okay. What's been the lowest point of your journey as a Maverick, Judy? There was a time about six and a half years ago where I was running the Center for Spirit at work and I just kept feeling like everything I was doing, I was working very hard but no matter what I did, nothing was moving. It was really stuck. My organization was stuck. My board was stuck. Um, the membership was slightly declining. Um, th- things just, it's kind of air slowly letting out of a balloon. That's what it felt like. Okay. And I couldn't figure out why. And it was one of those conversations with the universe. It's like, well, what's going on? What am I supposed to do? I've spent 20 years working at this. What am I supposed to do? And I just got this message, let go. And so I shut down the Center for Spirit at Work. I just closed the board. I shut it down. I canceled this big conference we were having in San Francisco. I just stopped everything. And uh, I had already left the university not knowing what I was going to do. I was in the middle of a divorce. I was letting go of that. It was a horrible marriage. It was stupid to have gotten into it. And um, I just, I was letting go of everything and not knowing why or what was supposed to happen. Uh, You know, I'm not getting any messages from the universe for a while. And... Do you want to know what happened? <laughs> yeah, it's like not watching the end of the film. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the lowest point. That was it. I was letting go of everything, and there was nothing in my life. No work, okay. no relationship, no money, no uh, nothing. And so that um, in a week after I closed the Center for Spirit at Work, I went off to guitar camp okay. for a week. I, I did this every year. Yeah. For, and that's when I met my husband. And I didn't have, I mean, I'm a workaholic. I love work. So what you can you know, it work, feel like work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't hold me back. I got to go do what I got to yeah. do. Yeah, it's preaching to the converted. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so um, I had no work. I had no projects. And I, met this man we fell madly in love instantly and uh he lived two and a half hours away i could easily go visit him and spend time with him and we could play music and i went oh god i really thought you didn't want me to have loved this lifetime i thought you only wanted me to work but now you've given me this time and space where i can just be in love and loving and so that we were in a relationship for about four months when I get a notice for this job at the University of Arkansas. Right. When I read the job description, it is 
the job I always dreamed of. There was a $4 million grant. Wow. Okay. To study faith and spirituality in the workplace. And they needed somebody with expertise to to create the center. Just hang on a second. Thank you, God. Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> so I did not want to move. Here I am in this relationship with this wonderful man. And now this perfect job shows up. And uh, and I'm like, and I'm no way am I going to move to Arkansas. I don't even know where Arkansas is on the map. So I call up my friend Martin Root, uh, who's also a maverick. I don't know if you've run into him in your work. Uh, and Martin, um, he's he's been to the University of Arkansas. He he was the one who sent me the job description. I said, Martin tell me about this what what's going on because it sounds like my perfect job but i don't want to be in arkansas and he said you are supposed to go there you are the one you must apply and i'm like but i don't want to and he said judy what will it take to send an email with your vita attached it would take you five minutes how hard is that just do it for me okay for you martin i'll just send it in so I send it in, and they call me immediately, and it's like, how soon can you get here? We want to interview you. It was Christmas. I'm like, well, how about after Christmas? <laughs> so I, I go, and I interview, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, like, not wanting to go interview either, but Martin says, it's just two days out of your life. What's the big deal? You're not working. There's nothing else going on. Just go. I go there, and I fall in love with the people and the job and with Fayetteville, Arkansas. And then I go back on the airplane and I say, God, don't make me choose. Because they say to me, we want you. And I said, what about the other four interviews that you said you had? Oh, we're not even going to interview them yeah. if you decide you want the job. Yeah. What will it take to get you here? Yeah. I've never had an interview where someone says, I'm in human resources. You don't give away your, willing, you know, your excitement yeah. about somebody. Or you don't say, what will it take to get you? Because somebody will charge a lot of money. Yeah. So I, I asked them for a ridiculous amount of money. And they, they gave, gave it me, you. They gave me more yeah. than I asked for. There you go. I've never heard of anything like that. Um, you know, when something's supposed to happen, you know, sometimes the universe, I often find people, they say nothing good happens to me. I said, you know, the universe hands it to you. You're not taking it. So don't blame the, you know, you sort of look at people and you think it's been handed to you on a plate. It, it, yeah. it doesn't get any better than this. It doesn't get any better than that. Ooh. And so I've said to the universe, please don't make me choose between love and work. I don't want to have to choose. And I get back and I say to my boyfriend, I love you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I have this incredible job opportunity. They are most likely going to make an offer. And if they do, I want you to come with me. And he says, well, synchronistically, I just heard that there's a layoff happening in my company. And I'm sick of working for this company. I'm going to go in tomorrow and volunteer for that layoff. Now, we had no job offer yet. Yeah, yeah. So no. I will go with you. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can have it all. So he went in. He volunteered for the layoff. so that, And that saved two other people's jobs Yeah. by him doing that. Yeah. And we had the next, it took three months for the university to sort out the actual giving me the formal yeah, offer, yeah. which allowed us to close down his house, close down my house, 
and we oh and the, the universe the university brought him down for my second interview this is with the chancellor yeah, and yeah, the donor yeah. and yeah. all that and um and while we're on the airplane he i'm getting ready to you know like take a nap i'm gonna lean on his shoulder and take a nap and he kind of bumps me to the shoulder and he goes hey i go what i think we should get married oh wow Is that a proposal? He said, yeah. So? I went, okay, I guess so. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Caught me off guard. So we got engaged at 30,000 feet in the oh, air. Wow. Now, I've heard of the My High Club, but that's a whole different level, this is, isn't yeah, it? Than that. <laughs> okay. This is lovely because this is giving, sort of giving me more insight into who you are, which is the bit of this journey that I love. Probably <laughs> the bit that won't even be in the book. Does that make sense? Sure, absolutely. What aspects of your personality or character influence your maverick approach? Well, I... I think the values, integrity are so core to who I am that I will make decisions about something that's right, even when it seems like the whole world is against it. Yeah. Um, because I, ha I, I call it being true to my soul. That my, my soul's in the driver's seat. It's, you're, it's so funny. You're probably the most person... I like, I've never spoke about my spirituality. This uh, is kind of, you know, I can, hang on. I just want to show you something. <laughs> Yesterday, I'm mapping out, somebody asked me to picture where I want to be in 20 years with what I'm doing, and I tend to use mind maps. Yes, that's And beautiful. if you look at that corner, it actually says. I, I can put it down lower. I have. I lived a life conscious. I can't read it. Basically, it says oh, I, I, was I, true lived, to I, I lived a life, business included, where I was true to myself and happy. Ah, uh, that's, that's all that matters to me. My my challenge is I already have all that. Yeah. The only thing I don't have is money. On a scale of ten to ten, all the other things. So when people ask me to say, you know, when they say meditate and envision your future. I just happen to live in a bigger house. Uh, <laughs> okay. Are you born or bred a maverick, do you think? Uh, you know, when I was studying edgewalkers, I really thought edgewalkers were born. And, you know, it's the nature versus nurture. Mm. Um, and so I thought it was a personality type. And, and I think we're talking about the same thing when we talk about edgewalkers and mavericks. Um, and so I really believe that. And as I've done this work, I've, I don't believe that anymore. I believe it's bred. I believe anyone can tap into the things we know mm. and can live their maverickness. Okay. I, I think that that's in all of us. Right. Okay. I would say, just building on what you said, to me, 
I don't think Edge Walkers and Mavericks are the same thing, just from where the research I've done. Mm-hmm. I think just initially, without a deep thought into this, um, a Maverick can be an Edge Walker. Mm-hmm. Because I've interviewed people, it was transparent that spirituality was what was leading them. Uh-huh. I'm also going to introduce you to the one person, one of my Mavericks is sticking out like a mile who I'm going to connect you to. Okay. He was the most spiritual person. Mm-hmm. And and I think, so I think some Mavericks can be edge walkers mm-hmm. if they've got that spiritual side. But I'm not sure. Um, basically, what I'm saying is, I've inter- out of all the interviews I've done, spirituality hasn't been a massive theme. But where uh-huh. it's come through, it, it has. It showed itself. I can think of the people who mentioned it, yeah? But it was... So I do want to put something in the book about it. Mm-hmm. However, it's where is your book about... The, the spiritual side and how they think differently um with mine it it wouldn't have been the biggest theme that came out and if yeah. they were both the same not everybody said it but the guy you have to speak to here i will introduce him i'm writing this down so i don't forget um he actually um owns a company called free spirit spheres yeah yeah good yeah good yeah. name oh yeah. what you have to go there if you don't go anywhere else on this planet for a visit it would be worth going there i i went there to go and have a holiday I, he wasn't a maverick i went there because i bought this as an adventure for me and my boyfriend i met this guy felt his energy and i ended up interviewing him in the sphere we were staying in that's how it <laughs> happened <laughs> okay do you think your childhood in any way impacted on your being a maverick? Hmm. Hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I think one of the critical things was, there, there's two things. One is growing up in Hawaii and being white-skinned, which is a minority there, yeah. Um and trying to fit in when the way you look doesn't allow for fitting in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it taught me how to be more than just a person with white skin. Okay. Yeah. You know, so I learned you know, things, Hawaiian words, and how to eat different foods, and um, you know, learned the pidgin English that everybody spoke so that so that I expanded my capacity to um, be more than I thought I was. And at the same time, I knew I was different. Okay. Uh, so, that, so that allowed me, that, what that differentness did, I think, is it drove me inside to be more self-reflective. Okay. You know, journaling and poetry and, you know, just trying to sort out all those feelings that, that would come up. So that... That environment, I think, um, helped that. And so I had to figure out, like, well, why am I important? Why does the world need me? Yeah. You know, it just, it was a, a fierce spiritual teaching. Okay, okay. Yeah. How, how, is your, how is your enthusiasm and drive and energy related to being a maverick? 
<laughs> You're assuming I have enthusiasm and energy and drive. Uh, excuse me, I've just seen you light up and go like that. Yeah, I think you got some. <laughs> um, well, I think there's just such a joy in being on a mission. And, you know, now I, I've been at this for 30 something years or more that, you know, I have a real self-confidence so many things have worked and I've achieved a lot and so I don't have to spend a lot of energy and self-doubt anymore okay. the energy goes towards yeah. the things that uh, I want to accomplish and but it's like anything in life if you don't devote energy to it yeah. it's like I have a lot of people like it's all right for you I gave up a university salary I came here I was supposed to write my thesis and to go and get a job. But I knew this was what I had to do. Yeah. Luckily, my boyfriend, my boyfriend is nothing like me. Okay. Opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of personality. Um, fine detail person, big picture person. Uh -huh. And um, it was, it, and he just, I just turned around and told him, I think when IBM and Shell Oil, who I interviewed, turned around and said, um, we want to see your research. We want to, if anything like this existed, we'd know about it. And we want to, we want to work with you when you've done this. Yeah. That's when my boyfriend turned around and went, cause he's a cost consultant. He, he works with figures. He just went, he just got off, you know, the whole thing and went, he just says, go fly your dream, go and live that dream. So, yeah, I'd never have to, and how one of the Mavericks explained it to me, and this is what's been my journey, and I'm sure you've had this, is when you do the interviews, everyone teaches you something else. Uh -huh. And one of them said, you can get the noise out, like mortgage, bills, day-to-day -day meetings, that's noise. If you can eradicate that noise and just do this, and it's that focus, whereas a lot of people aren't prepared to do that focus, Mm -hmm. I had to really adjust. I'm fiercely independent. I've never had anybody look after me. And I've got somebody who gives me grocery monies. I had to adapt uh -huh. because I've got this mission to do. D does that make sense? Absolutely. And then it's kind of like being focused. So I took everything out of the way so that I could just do this. I've got a coaching company. I stopped coaching. I just did this because mm -hmm. this is what the universe needed put me here to do so do it billy otherwise they'd have picked somebody else mm -hmm. so that's it how do you see rules um i think rules are agreements between people so that you can get things done efficiently mm -hmm. and so they serve a real function in humanity they're, they're agreements mm -hmm. and at some point, they're like little rabbits, you know, and they start proliferating, proliferating and proliferating so that the, you can't move. You get bound in too tight. Okay. And somebody needs to say enough already. Yeah. Stop. It, this is getting in the way of creativity of innovation. I mean, I'm so attracted to companies that say our rule book is one page. <laughs> And, and the rule book is basically their values, mm, not yes. rules. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of rules come out of 
fear mm-hmm. and they're they're in reaction to one person taking advantage of the system and so they set up a whole bunch of rules so nobody will ever do that again uh, and yet mostly people don't do that mostly people are good mm. you don't need so many rules yes um have you always taken a maverick approach to business or remember i'm interviewing people from t- very very diverse industries mm-hmm. um so have you always taken a maverick approach to business or was there a particular trigger did you do it like everybody else and then one day went this is not working this is not for me uh i think i've always been different okay. yeah i've always challenged the system i Usually to say, well, have you thought of, you know, like when I was in human resources in a company and, you know, I'm in charge of training and development. And I, I said, you know, I don't think we can get enough people in our company. We only had 200 employees uh, to attend a class where we were bringing in somebody from outside. But we really need this class. What if I go to the other companies in the area and we see if we can run a, com- a class with participants from different companies? And people are like, what? Go outside the company? Collaborate with other companies? It's like, yeah, why not? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. They're still, they still squash the idea. But, yeah. you know, it's always like looking for new and better ways to do things, even when I was in traditional kinds of jobs. Okay. Are you always a maverick? Or do you choose to be so at times, and why? Hmm. I'm just scanning all the different parts of my life, and um, I guess I'm just always a maverick. Yeah. Okay. Do you turn the dial up and down on your maverickism level? So, for ex- sorry, I don't need to give you an example. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, I know how to fit in when I need to. Right, wonderful. And is that choice a conscious decision or an unconscious decision? It's conscious. Okay. What are the advantages and disadvantages of being a maverick in business? Um. Well, the advantages are the, the joy of creativity and of uh, helping people and organizations get breakthroughs to see things differently. It's what a wonderful way to live. Mm. It's just, um, it's fun. Yeah. It's just yeah. a lot of fun. Exactly. And, and I attract such interesting people because... I do things differently, and I say things differently, and I take risks. And and uh, here's an example, and it's not just in business, but it turned out to be a business thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at a wine tasting party, and I didn't know, I only knew the hostess. I didn't know anybody else. Never been to a wine tasting party right. before. okay. But a musician friend of mine said, oh, you should come to this. So, okay. so my husband and I came. And I, I meet this woman, and... I don't know her, and she's talking about her business a little bit, and um, she says, and what do you do? And I said, well, I run the Center for Faith and Spirituality in the Workplace, and she goes, oh, well, we'd never, my employees would never go for anything like that. 
And I said, I wouldn't be so sure. Have you ever checked? Have you asked them? Have you ever broached the conversation? And she just kind of got stunned and she said, yeah, basically she said, you're, di you're disagreeing with me and challenging me? I like that, she said. Because yeah. <laughs> no, she, it turns out she's the richest woman in our town. Right. They, and she's just been, um, just been this week um, honored for being the businesswoman of the year for Arkansas. Right, State, so. okay. And she's now my closest friend, one of my closest friends. Wow. And she's been a, I've, um, she's a client. And so I've done work with her company, and yeah. I coach her. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so that's, now I'm forgetting the question. Why we're, was looking, why? we're looking at the advantages and disadvantages of being a maverick in business. Oh, okay, so it's like, it's you know, it's a non-business environment. Yeah. I'm being myself. I'm taking a stand for what I believe. Yeah. And I'm not afraid of who somebody is. Right. And by being authentic, this whole incredible relationship develops that's been really rich and rewarding in both sides. Wonderful. But what about disadvantages? Have you found any disadvantages? Um, I suppose security is a disadvantage because you never know when you're just going to throw it all away because mm. you have a dream or a calling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I never know what crazy thing I might do next which would not be normal, you know, it would yeah. not be advisable thing to do. Yeah, I find the security one crops up. But personally, for me, it's like I'm my security. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what, if I wasn't living in this apartment, I'd find something else. If I was living somewhere else in the world, I'd still find something else. So the security comes from within, not from the material thing. Exactly. And then, and you, I think that actually helps you take risks. Because I'm never going to be worried about, well, um, how am I going to earn the money? If I have to, I'll go and work, serve coffee behind a coffee shop, you know, and that'll take care of that stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, disadvantages, um, well, you know, I mean, I guess it's, it's again, it's those, those financial trade-offs. Like, I got pissed off at my university where I was working recently mm -hmm. um, because they got very bottom line driven. Oh, yeah. and lost we had a new dean and he didn't understand me or my sense of mission and he just right. wanted me to go raise funds right. and um i would have had to sell my soul to go do what he wanted and and it was all about money for him mm. he just did not get it and so if i had stayed one more year at the university i would have been there five years i would have invested i would have had all this um, wonderful benefits and more money in the savings account. And I went, I can't do it. I just cannot sell my soul to be here another year. My Edgewalker work is calling me. I've been doing that nights and evenings. Now I could go do it full time. And so, you know, I, it's a trade-off again. I, I could have had much more money in the bank account and a more secure future, I suppose. It feels pretty darn secure already. Um, but what's a secure future? We all end up in a box someday. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. In, in the grand scheme of things, and then go off to wherever we're going. But um, yeah. 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 So, so that, you know, I mean, there are financial disadvantages, like temporarily financial.
mental yes. disadvantages. Yes. I still think um, all these risky decisions I've made one after another have put me in a beautiful financial situation. Yes. Yes. I never would have dreamed uh, of being so well off, but there were steps along the way yeah, yeah. where I kept walking away from things that would have brought in more money because I followed my, my heart and did yes. what I felt was the right thing to do. You have no It's so lovely to hear that because I, I cannot believe this will not be successful. Nothing on the planet <laughs> can convince me that this is not going to do something well and if you've had two companies interested in your work already then uh, you've you've got some evidence yeah, yeah yeah um has age and experience altered your maverick approach and if so how have you grown age and experience ah hmm yeah i would say that and so it, I think I've really lost my sense of I have to change the whole world and I have to do it all by myself. <laughs> I mean, I kind of thought I was the only one that was out there doing anything as crazy as what I was doing. And so age and time and experience have allowed me to see that the universe can run just fine without me mm -hmm. and that I'm not the only one and that in the grand scheme of things, you know, a hundred years from now, nobody's going to remember Judy Neal and Edgewalkers. And, you know, I've, I, I've touched some lives and I've made some difference and that's a great joy to me. But in the grand scheme of things, that doesn't really matter. I can just trust that that the universe has set up a system that of evolution. I'm a part of it, mm. and so I don't. So I guess I don't have to work so hard. Okay. And I don't have to think I've got to be so big. You know, it's like I can I can let go and go with the flow more. Yeah. I I well, the way I get my head around that, which you might want to hear, is that you have the starfish story. Yeah. 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 It's basically, when I do something for somebody, I made a difference for that one. Right, right. It adds up. It adds up. What aspect of your business are you most maverick in? Hmm. Not doing a strategic plan. Excellent. I mean, the <laughs> next person who asks me to write a business plan, I mean, I don't, I don't have one. I don't <laughs> want one. Um, <laughs> It will happen. I know faith. Um, yeah, I, I have learned over time that, I mean, I know how to do strategic planning. I've taught strategic planning. I've run strategic planning sessions for hospitals. And, you know, it's like, I get it. And um, it's, it's an exercise, but it has nothing to do with how reality is going to unfold. Exactly. And it can really limit you. Yes, and being, if you're, a, you know, anybody who's a maverick, that anything that limits them, they're going to run from. <laughs> That's right. It's exactly that. I'm like, you know, yeah. don't tell me. Don't fence me in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what aspects of your business are you least maverick in? What do you do just like everybody else? 
Um, communicate, reach out to people, network. Um, actually, it's not network. I don't network. People call me the greatest networker. Um, and I don't network. I just, I, it's connection. It is. And I actually don't like the word network. Yeah. Network always implies being, to me, being in a room, giving out business cards, and trying to get a gig out of it. Yeah, it's instrumentally driven. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's not it. It's like the reason I connect and know so many people and have connected so many people to each other is I use my intuition and my heart and my listening to find out what someone needs. Mm. And when I can figure that out, I, I just have this Rolodex in my head and I know, well, if you need that, this person has it. Or I know someone yeah. who has what, what you've got that, you know, would be a good connection for you. And so, yeah, exactly. You know, when you're talking, I'm, I'm writing the people who are going to be good connections for you. And I remember going into a meeting and somebody said, oh, not a meeting, I was somewhere. And they said, oh, um, have you got, um, can I, you know, a business card? I went, I don't have one. <laughs> and they went, what? I went, I said, um, you just met me. You know my name. We have we have Google, so if you want to find me, you'll find me. <laughs> and yeah. and the emphasis is on the want. Something just said, you know, you know. I looked at the stack of business cards you end up collecting, and I'm like thinking, hang on, I'm not sure. Something just said, I don't think I want a business card. Hmm. So I didn't get one. Okay. Um. How do you balance being a maverick with home life? Hmm. I guess I'm so lucky to have married a man who loves me just the way I am and who supports me in my craziness. Um, and I bring a spark to his life that wouldn't be there. In my in my um, my orientation model, I don't know if you've gotten to that part of the book where I, I talk about five orientations. Yes, I, I, the bit I'm on is uh, I've actually just got the last. I'm at the last bit where you're describing the the ideal workplace of the future. That was channeled. Okay. That was the channeler told me. So you get the backstory here. The channeler told me you're going to write a model of business and you're going to see it you're going to go into the other worlds the way you, you tell people and edgewalkers to do you're going to travel between worlds you're going to see this model of an ideal organization and you're going to write about it and so i went into meditation and i just started you know okay. on this journey of writing and so that's all that is cool. okay <laughs> but the the five orientations um you know, are there edge walkers and placeholders and flame keepers and, and so on? And uh, my husband is very much a hearth tender and a flame keeper. And so he is, he, what I worked full time when we moved here and he stayed home and he cooked, he cleaned, he paid the bills, he took care of the cars, he took care of the yard. I didn't have to do a thing except work. And that's what I love doing. And I don't like doing any of that other stuff. Mm. And so he took care of it all for me, and 
he didn't have to go to work, which he was so burned out of work, and he mm -hmm. loved being home, yes. and he loved taking care of me. And so that it's a like an arrangement, a yes. way of working together. Now, um, when I retired from the university, I said to him, well, you get to half retire now from your job right. of being a bartender because I'll do half the work at home. Yeah. So you can go and do other things. And he's become a beekeeper and a natural gardener. And wow. and, and we have we share these values around community and sustainability and art and music and helping others. And so there's no conflict. I mean, I'm hmm. we've become leaders in our community. Our home is a place where all kinds of different groups come to meet and events happen and we love that it just feeds us so we have this incredible life that i always dreamed of wonderful that so. sounds amazing i think mark's the your relationship sounds so like what me and mark had yeah so yeah. like that he, <laughs> he goes to work i work here all day i can't stand cleaning i do no cleaning he take, he does the he takes care of the finances and the cleaning and the and the, the side he does the car yeah, yeah. Um, and I he he got very good at wash laundry and cooking he likes to eat he doesn't cook he likes to eat and um, I like to cook <coughs> so so we have this system that works if you can call it a system that works. Yeah. It's a set of agreements. Yes, it's a set of agreements. Which can change. Life changes sometimes. Yeah, I've just said to him, don't get too settled because once this kicks off, I'll be flying all over the world. So I'm just, I'm just giving you the heads up now. So. <laughs> and he could quit his job and go with you. No, he wouldn't do that. Oh, okay. He's, he's not wired that way. He, <laughs> Mark's, when I say opposite, um, he needs, he's the sort of person who has to have like a nine to five job and the day has to be structured whereas uh -huh. i'm not like that I, yeah. I mean i think i very early into doing this i went i'll never work a nine-to-five job again in my life uh -huh. and i knew that uh -huh. is any part of being a maverick related to the legacy you want to leave behind now you did touch on this when you said about you know in years to come people that aren't going to know who judy neal and who ed walkers are but um is there anything is there um what be doing what you're doing related to a legacy yeah i guess you know it's kind of like what level of consciousness are you looking at things and so there's the being embodied being in the material world um having gained some wisdom wanting to pass that on uh that's i'm very much in that stage of my life okay yeah and okay. um i recently was diagnosed and then it was a misdiagnosis uh, i was diagnosed with copd which is a lung, uh, yeah, yeah. terminal lung disease, yeah. and I, that's not what I have. But I went through like four months thinking I did, <laughs> mm. uh, and and going, okay, you love this. I'm going. Well, they think I have COPD. I'm going to prove them wrong. Even if that's the diagnosis, I am going to be the case that doesn't go the normal route. I'm going to go to all these alternative methods of healing. I'm going to do all these things. That <laughs> Do you know what? I just interviewed a guy who at 24 was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Mm -hmm. He didn't die. He went spiritual. I'm going to connect you to him as well. I've written <laughs> his name down. His uh, name, yeah. Um, really, you know, and I'm like, you know, I, I can create my own reality. Yeah. I'm going to create a reality where that is not 
I am not dying. Mm -hmm. I am going to be living fully. I'm going to be healthier than I ever was because mm -hmm. I don't, I just don't buy it. Yes. Things to do. It's really, so, yes. Really and then next time I go to the doctor, I'm like, okay, what about glutathione for an alternative method of treatment? What about pulmonary respiratory therapy? Yeah. What about, I've done all my research because I'm a PhD. Yeah. I try yeah, to yeah. do research. And he's like, well, that's not in the mainstream journals. And I'm like, oh. And he's like, after about four or five questions that I was asking him about alternatives, he goes, look, you don't have COPD. You just have chronic asthma. Yes. And I went, you're the same guy who told me I had COPD. You said it was progressive and terminal. Yes. And he's like, no, you just have asthma. Oh. Well, the reality changed. Who knows how exactly. that reality changed exactly. on what level of consciousness. But getting back to the legacy, during that time, you know, part of me is going, well, if I have a terminal illness, and life is terminal, mm -hmm. i got to really get more focused on passing my knowledge on to others. And so I, I really began looking at who in my organization can take over the company when my health is no longer as good as it is and are they ready or what can I do to get them ready? Uh, and then what do I need to teach others to pass this on? Yeah. And so I set up a bunch of certification programs, uh, all of which I just finished. I've certified um, nine or 10 people in the last few months in a mm. bunch of my work. Okay. The most exciting part was actually running a workshop on it was a train-the-trainer Edgewalker mm. workshop, mm. training people how I think and how I am when I run a workshop. So I talked about what are the qualities of being if you're going to facilitate a workshop, the consciousness, mm -hmm. and what are the actual practical skills of paying attention to how much people talk, how people interrupt, when can you interrupt, you know, the, just the regular concrete facilitation skills. Right. And then having them practice and giving them feedback and some of the interaction, I could do intuitive, seeing where someone was or hearing what they're thinking and subtly noticing body language and helping people up their game significantly. And that was so, such a legacy experience. I, like in four days, was trying to take everything I've learned and pass it on to other people who love my work and want to spread it out in the world. Wonderful. Oh, really that good be. example. Yeah. How much, if anything, of being a maverick, we said about legacy, about what you leave behind, but is related to give back and paying it forward? Because they, sometimes they're connected, sometimes they're not. I, I can't say that they're not connected. They seem yes. the same thing to me. Okay, okay. Mavericks tend to be risk takers. What's the biggest risk you've taken in business to date? Blowing the whistle on Honeywell. Yeah. I mean, might put my life in danger. Yeah, I gathered that when I read <laughs> that thing. Yeah. There was, there was, yeah. What would you consider are the characteristics of a successful product? Hmm. 
that it meets or exceeds the goals and vision and intention okay. that was set for it. Right. Um, that that a, at least a handful of people are touched and transformed and their lives are better as a result of it. Mm -hmm. um, and probably I would add that whoever the client was, that, uh, that a relationship is built with them, so they want you to do other things for them or they refer you to other people. Okay. So, so that there's a continuation in some way. And of the projects that you've done, how many of them were successful according to the definition you've just given? Uh, I can only think of one project that was unsuccessful. Everything else is successful. Okay. What leads to successful execution of a venture? Visualization and intention. Okay. And then filling in after that. I mean, it's like having a clear idea of what it is. I can see it. I can visualize okay. and feel and, and, you know, it's like a movie. Yeah. To create. And then using everything I have, body, mind, and spirit, right. to all my experience, working really hard to create high-quality materials, a high-quality design, uh, and then continuing to do the energy work, the spiritual work, while doing the normal, you know, putting the PowerPoints or the workbooks or research or whatever, doing all of that. And collaboration, I should add that. Yeah, for sure. What did, now, you've said, because it's your own business, this may have answered that question, but I'm going to ask you it anyway in case you want to add anything. But what do you do that makes the venture successful? You've said all these things. You work for yourself sometimes with the people I'm interviewing. They'll say, well, it's, the team does it, but this is the bring I bit to the table. So uh -huh. the vision. Um, I'm the idea person. Yeah. Yeah, and, okay. and I'm the um, product service developer. Okay. So I, I bring the creation of the programs and the ideas. You know, it's like I had this idea to create affirmation cards right. to support workshops and coaching and, you know, so, some concrete tools and workbooks. And uh, I create all of that. Okay. And then my team can enhance that. You know, I'll send materials out to people and they'll give me good ideas. Mostly they just go, oh, that's great. Yeah. I don't get a whole lot back. Uh, but every once in a while, some, uh, actually one person will add all the beautiful artwork and yeah. got the layout. And my husband is the editor. You know, so I have support from yeah. other people. Okay. But I'm the idea person. I'm the visionary. And I'm the one that gets the clients. Wonderful. When a venture is unsuccessful... What would you consider are the main reasons for failure? Well, the one venture that was unsuccessful is that I neglected to understand the culture of that organization. Okay. And it was a Catholic institution, and I went in there speaking uh, inclusive language. Right. You know, and, and um, quoting from all different religions, and I bombed big time. Right. I also 
um, let them determine the layout of the room. And I have a real sense of yeah. how things should be laid out. And I let them determine something I knew was wrong. And, oh, it was, oh, I cried. I cried. It went, it was, went so badly. It's, and I, so, so it's not going with my gut. Mm. Uh, and not knowing enough about them and what they need. Yeah, because some of, I mean, the thing is, yeah, if, if people have got shutters to certain things, mm. it's very difficult. I mean, anybody might have gone in there and failed. Not just Because it may, sometimes it's not, and I'm not pacifying or anything like that, but I'm just understanding. It's like people like us, Judy, people are going to love us or hate us. We're, we're a bit like Marmite. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes we just have to accept that anybody with that kind of persona, with that kind of outlook on life, may have bombed in that situation. We don't know. You don't know, yeah. As a maverick, what are you afraid of? Being fenced in. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, um... Actually, I'm not afraid of that because there's just no way. I mean, in the past, I would yeah. say, you know, anything that that tried to restrict me or make me smaller. When I first went to work at the university, I had a person I reported to who said, "Look, I don't want you to keep doing this international work. You need to focus on Fayetteville, Arkansas, the local businesses, the students, and just you know." And it was like, what? I have worked my whole life for these international connections. Yeah. I know CEOs around the world. I go to these international conferences. I organize the international conferences. And you want me to just play in Fayetteville? Yeah. Get a grip. <laughs> really? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, he and I, he and I went like yeah. this. Until I, I finally went to the dean and said, this is not what you hired me to do. Yeah. You put a leash on this guy or you take me out from underneath him because I cannot work with that kind of limitation. Yeah. I just can't. What did you uh, do? I have to know. The, the dean had a conversation with him and everything got lots better. Wonderful. Yeah. So um, I'm not, there's nothing, uh, nothing that can restrict me. Now, mm. my health, that would be it. Yeah. Um, getting old. Um, not being able to do all I want to do. I guess that those kinds yeah. of things, if I think about it, I could be afraid. But yeah. I don't know. I just don't give a lot of energy to fear. Exactly. And again, coming back to that energy, how important is team to you as a maverick? Huge. Ironically, it's yeah. huge. Um, but I must say I have to be the leader. Okay, okay, okay. Think, which, takes know, like, me, which takes me nicely to the next question, which okay. is, does, does being a maverick affect your approach to leadership? You know, I find that wherever I am, I become the leader. Mm. People look to me, which is so strange, because I grew up incredibly shy, a painful introvert, experienced a time of agoraphobia where I wouldn't even go out of my house mm -hmm. um, and now to be playing on a world stage yeah is is so strange um, but it, it just seems like 
I don't know, just about everywhere I go, that's what happens. Now, in my church is a different example because I we belong to an Episcopal church, and I have not taken on any leadership there. Um, I'm not super committed. I'm just somebody who shows up at things when I want to show up. Okay. Which is very unmaverick like. Okay. But it might be that someone like me, every once in a while, needs a place where you can just rest yes. and not have to, like, be you know and, and full charge. And also, perhaps in your life, because of all the because your work is about spirituality, it's a it's a place for you to just be spiritual instead of it being work related. <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. How and where did you get your permission to be a maverick? <sighs> From God. Okay. Yeah, I can't think of any external person or organization that gave me permission. Um, it certainly has, it had to come from inside. It okay. just, it, it can't, I don't know, I don't know how else to say it. No, that's fine. Um, how are creativity and innovation related to being a maverick? Because um, that word, you've used the word creativity, I've heard you say innovation, all the mavericks do it. Um, so how are they related to being a maverick? I guess the driver it, it like we I, as a maverick i must create i think all of i think all human beings are creative i do yes um sometimes to a fault i mean it's like look at what we've done to the whole planet out of our creativity mm. um but we are always innovating and always creating and it's human nature it's just amped up for people like me i think it's turned the dials turned higher okay okay and i couldn't be happy unless i'm creating mm. okay mavericks tend to be learners what are you a student of uh music mm -hmm. spirituality change how's how change happens transformation mm -hmm. um Ecology, soil, the interconnectedness of life, mm -hmm. gardening, nutrition, health. <laughs> Excellent. It's that diversity, isn't it? It's that diversity again. Yeah. Do you draw on other mavericks in any way? Oh, all the time. Yeah, I have people that are my sounding boards mm -hmm. that I go to um, you know, when when I feel stuck and I can't see something, or um, or even when I'm curious about something that that they know that I don't, I I will call on them. Um, I have several amazing Maverick mentors, and they just enrich my life so deeply. Um, really, really influence who I am. Um, have and that's been, you know, for thirty or forty years, I've been blessed with that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I guess that, I guess that answers your question. Yeah. Is there anyone who's a maverick that inspires you? Who jumps into your head, if anyone? Uh, Mel Toomey. Yeah. He was an extraordinarily successful businessman in real estate development. Mm -hmm. And he got this idea that leadership was a lot more than we normally think it is. Mm -hmm. And that, that leadership is not just a class you study in MBA. Leadership is a, a whole profession. Mm -hmm. And that we can teach leaders how to be, it's not just learn the theories of leadership, there are ways of teaching people to be much more powerful leaders and to get breakthroughs in the work they do. And he has a very innovative program called the Master of Arts in Organizational Leadership. Right. And I've actually become the academic director for that program and I just, I learned so much from Mel because he does everything in non-traditional ways. So he started this master's program as a businessman and he found an alternative university to offer it. Yeah. And he doesn't have a PhD, but yeah. he, he's the senior, you know, teacher yeah. in yeah. that program. Yeah. And, um, and he has these unique models in his head that really just kind of turn your brain all around and help you see the world in completely different ways that help you help me take quantum leaps okay in my perception wow yeah. what do you have to suffer or suffer and sacrifice because you're a maverick Boy, I think of anything. Right, fine. What motivates you as a maverick? What makes you jump out of bed and say, Judy, today you're going to do this? Um, I think the thing that's motivating me most right now is the creation of materials or products or services that, again, are like part of my legacy. Yeah. It's finding a way to codify, encapsulate, um, make accessible the things that I've learned that I can pass on to others and that they can add to and create. And, you know, so it's the, the starting of the chain of co-creation with people. Okay. Is any part of being a maverick, Judy, related to finding out who you are and what you're capable of? I think that was a driver in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, that's this folks so funny to feel like wow I don't need to worry about that anymore I don't think I've had that recognition before but I really know who I am and I I may not know all my capabilities but I know that whatever it is I need to learn I can okay so I, I this sense of confidence that I have has never been stronger so it's not a motivation it's a fulfilled motivation if you go to motivation theory yeah yeah yeah, okay. it's like, okay, I've, I've done that. Do you know, that's lovely to hear. That's yeah. so, it's so nice to hear. Oh, it's so, uh, you know, such a, that um, comforting, um, it brings ease so yeah. that when there's a challenge or an opportunity, um, 
I might get a like a little bit of an energy that's either a thrill of excitement or a touch of fear, like, oh, am I up for that? Mm-hmm. Uh, but mostly it's like, I've done a million of these. I know what to do. Yeah. It just comes easy. Okay. And I can, I could almost do things without any preparation and just walk in and, yeah. and be present. And that's actually where my greatest power is. Mm-hmm. Even though I prepare mm-hmm. incredibly, uh, I do that for other people's comfort, to give them a structure. Yes. The work really happens in the moment yes. with intuition and the, that presence and being. Yep. So I, I know who I am. I trust my abilities and I trust my connection to something greater that, that it comes through me and inspires me. So. Yeah, and that ability to, you know, when they talk about reflection, um, it's that being able to re- reflection in action and reflection on action and doing it then and there and thinking actually this isn't what I might have prepped this but this isn't what they need at the moment and right. going through and being able to do that yeah so that's what you're okay I'm for those moments and you cannot prepare for them but they happen and they happen all the time, time. for me now and to see someone's face when whatever I've said or done in that moment locks in it hits mm-hmm. them and it's exactly what they needed and i had no idea what i was going to say or do right but to watch them transform and to know that i was the conduit maybe not the source but the yes. conduit for that happening it's like what an honor what a privilege exactly and i trust that now. yes do you like being a maverick i love it <laughs> is being a maverick important or a responsibility in any way Yes. Yeah, I have no doubt about that. It's mavericks who move the world forward. It is mavericks who can see what others can't see and who take the risks and who push the edges of the system. And if you didn't have mavericks, our, everything would stagnate and die. I couldn't have put it better. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how maverick are you? Uh, nine. Okay, nine's good. Um, <laughs> all good, right? Any it, kind of it, level. It's, of all, it's all good. I, I find that response uh, when people respond to that. Some of them are like comparing, well, what did everybody else say? And then some of them will go, I'm a ten, and some of them will go, like if you ask me that question, I'd be like, when I first started doing this, I would have said I was pretty high on the maverick scale, yeah, because I didn't follow the rules. I did things my own way. Now doing this, looking at my potential of what kind of maverick I can be, uh-huh. I, I've probably got, I've went from a seven and I've now put myself at about three or four <laughs> because I can see more rungs of the ladder. Yeah, I was going to say, the scale might have been this for you before and now yes, the scale's like this. exactly. That's what happened. Yeah. What advice would you give to somebody who feels they're a maverick so that they can be the best possible maverick they can be. Take time for self-reflection, mm-hmm. however that is for you, whether it's journaling or being in nature or having a coach or a spiritual advisor. It's like you've got to take time to know yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that time for self-reflection would be a key one. And the other is to really trust your gut or trust your heart or however, whatever bodily well, yeah. part it is that, that gives you the information about 
what it is you're to do. Okay. It's it's trust that even when it seems crazy. Okay. How do you promote and serve other people to be missing? Oh, well, that's what my whole organization is about. Fair <laughs> enough. And how do, how do you promote and serve yourself to be a magic? Uh, we teach what we need to know. So, you know, my whole organization does that for me. Okay. It's, you know, it's Is like it I, I teach people these things about being an edge walker. Mm. Um, it's a constant reminder for me of how I want to live and how I want to be. Okay. What's your biggest challenge right now? Um, I think it's letting go of being the only one who generates new thoughts, new material, new ideas in my organization. Um, and creating space and ways for other people to innovate and create. I mean, I'm trying to do that. No one's responding yet. I'm like, let's do these projects together. Uh, I, I think I need to reach out more because it is about the legacy. It's about I'm not going to live forever. And maybe, maybe it's about, like you said, how you wrote the last chapter, you channeled it. The thing is, when people see you're an expert and you're running the organization, sometimes, and I'm not telling you what to do at all, I'm just feeling that, you know, sometimes they think she's cracked it, she's got 30 years of experience, and they undervalue the contribution they could bring to the table. I mean, I can, when, as soon as you said that, what I felt in my heart was, well, what happens if you visualize what a program would look like that wasn't designed by you? Ah. That was always designed by you and somebody else. How, what would that look like? Mm -hmm. And and then and then, it, you know, it's there's probably people who are working with you who are having amazing ideas, but perhaps and it's not because of anything you're doing. It's not like you're uh, it's my way or the highway kind of thing. It's just the fact that because they um, revere you so much, sometimes people think that their contribution isn't going to be worthy, but it is. Mm -hmm. Because in most cases in life, it's, it's almost like, if you look at all the ingredients you put into a cake, I really use these stupid analogies, yeah? If you look at all the ingredients you put into a cake, yeah, for example, um, it's, it, and cocoa might think, but I'm only one thing, but it ain't chocolate cake without the cocoa. It's just cake. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's anyway. So that's what I was thinking. If you <laughs> if you could have a superhero power, what would it be? Love. As a maverick, what do you do for fun? Play guitar. Play music. Okay. What would be one quote that defines you as a maverick? Do you have a quote? Well, there's a quote that I've used at the bottom of emails for many years because it's a, a guidance for me. Um, and so maybe this would be it. And that is, it comes from Shakti Gawain. Mm -hmm. And the quote is, the universe pays me for being who I am and doing what I love doing. 
I, I thought that was lovely. As soon as you said that, I thought, yeah, we need her. <laughs> Judy, what would you like to have been asked that I haven't asked you? That's a small question, isn't it? <laughs> I always ask that one too. No, I can't think of anything. Thank you. So that's the interview part done. 